Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. If you have not already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, I recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. There's a link in the show notes. So go check that out, get your swag and rock that you are part of the Move the Ball movement. Okay. For today's episode, I've got a great guest with us, someone who was on the show back in season one, and he's having a great career in the league. He's someone who really knows how to move the ball and to also make an impact beyond the game. Inside the huddle with us today is one of the NFL's finest running backs, Naeem Hines. Hey, Naeem, how are you? Well, thanks for having me on. Well, I know that uh, you're always on the move, traveling, doing lots of things. So I appreciate you coming back on and joining us today. You know, we've been talking for a while about having you back on the show. So I'm glad that we're chatting. But uh, let me just share with everyone a little bit about your bio before we get into our chat. Naeem is an NFL running back who currently plays for the Indianapolis Colts. He played college football at NC State, go Wolfpack, and he was drafted in the fourth round, 104th overall in the 2018 NFL draft by the Indianapolis Colts. Naeem is also the national spokesperson for Muscular Dystrophy Association, MDA, and we'll talk about that and more on today's show. All right, Naeem, you ready to move the ball? Let's move it. All right. Always ready, right? You know, I was looking back to see, you know, when did we do our last episode? And it was May of 2020. It was episode number 37. I've done over 200 episodes on the show since that, or in total. So there's been a lot of uh, moving the ball on my end over here with the show. For sure. And I'm glad to have you back here with us. You know, you've been busy training hard in the off season. And well, let's start there. What are some of the things that you've really been focusing on right now? Uh, honestly, just uh, learning the route tree on offense and uh, learning just I'm trying to just expand my role and run every route that I can possibly run. And then obviously every year for me, uh, just getting the body a little bit stronger again and faster. I think I've been doing well this year. Uh, coaches said I've slimmed up and I'm looking real quick and fast. So uh, I just keep working hard and keep going. And you've been in the league for a few years now. You're going into year five. You were also younger when you came into the league. How was your perspective? Like, how has it changed over the years regarding the NFL as being a business, being a professional football player and, and all of that? I think, honestly, the longer you stay in the NFL, the more thankful you are. Like even honestly, the past two years, I wake up every day and I go to work and I thank the Lord for allowing me to love what I do. And then after that, it's just the experience. You learn that it's not forever and that you have to take advantage of every opportunity you have. When you're younger, you just think you're there and you think the money and the playtime and all that lasts forever. And as you get older and older, you start to see your friends leave the building and you realize like, dang, you can't take this for granted. Even being on one team for five years is hard as you. So uh, honestly, with any small victory I have, I'm just thankful for. And I think that's one thing that you learn as you get older. And you mentioned that you know the NFL is a short career. The average NFL career now is just under two years. And so it's getting 
shorter and shorter. It used to be 3.2 years a couple of years ago. So it's less today. You're going into year five. What have you been doing to really ensure your longevity in the league? Stay healthy. Thanking uh, God only and uh, myself and uh, my trainers around me and all of that. Just it's a lot of things that go into it. But I think the first thing is health. And uh, obviously, you, you have to take care of yourself. And obviously, the man above helps me with that, too. So I think that's really what it is. Uh, fortunately, I'll knock on wood, but I haven't missed a game in five years for my first four years. And uh, I've missed one practice. I think that's what it is. You have to stay available first. And then after that, you just have to just excel at your job. If you keep excelling at your job, I mean, hopefully they don't find a body to replace you, but that's just how the NFL works. And then uh, when people are there, you help them and you do what you're supposed to do. But really, it just comes from hard work, working hard, and just hoping, to, honestly, the Lord having your back and just have one good for you. And you mentioned staying healthy. I mean, being in the NFL, it's very taxing on your body to be a professional football player. What are some of the things that you do to really keep your health strong and to stay healthy? I mean, just staying in good physical shape. And then honestly, obviously, we all stay in good physical shape. I think it's really just the rehab part of it. I get massages two or three times a week. Uh, I'm a real big dry needle guy. I like getting needled and hamstrings, calves, things like that. And then uh, really just doing some yoga and just keeping the body limber. That's really the best way. And then, like I said, the Lord bless you with good health. With all good things, it takes a little bit of good luck or favor, whatever, which way it speaks, because uh, there's even people who do everything that I do and they get hurt. So uh, sometimes you have the right draw of hand too with taking care of your body. Sure. And you know, they say that your your life can change in a year if you focus on the right things. I mean, for me, writing this book on football called Move the Ball, as you know about, uh, really took my life in a different direction. And here we are with this whole movement and the podcast. And, you know, in Move the Ball, I write about different football strategies that helped me to be successful as a kid and as an adult and growing my business and my brand. What are some of the things that you have taken away from football and some of the habits that you put into practice that have helped you to get to where you are at today? Honestly, I mean, sports is one of the best teachers. I've learned a lot of things in life, but I feel like probably the biggest and main focal points of life I've learned through sport. Truly just the resilience of football. Like when things don't work, you have to keep going. Like I, when I first started out, things didn't work out for me. You got to keep pushing. That's life. You might not get your first interview. Like your first interview may not go right. You might not get the job you want. But guess what? You have to keep doing interviews. And I think football is also just a lot like life with failure. Like you're going to go out there and drop a ball. This is like you're going to go out there and have a bad interview. You're going to have a bad day at work. But we can't run from it. Like football is just a lot quicker than life. With life, sometimes you fumble, you fumble the ball, so to speak, and it takes a couple of days. But football, sometimes you drop a ball and it's third down. Now they're coming right back to you. And uh, I think that resilience and like, having the quick switch is one of the biggest things I've learned. And also, too, really just seeing how football is and seeing really the opportunity. Like even me getting my contract comes from somebody else getting hurt or seeing how some people who get hurt, they may not ever get their jobs back or seeing a guy who's undrafted fill in and now he's a starter. And like, really this opportunity with life, it's never really about when you're ready. It's going to be about if you're ready when the time comes. And that's what football really is all about. I like that. And they say, you know, if you're always prepared and you always, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Stay ready. You don't got to get ready. That's right. That's right. For sure. He's told me that my whole life. Stay ready. So you don't got to get ready. Yep. It's a (laughs) common theme. We hear that a lot from, from guys that are playing in the league and coaches. It's it's so true, right? If you're ready for those opportunities, then you don't have to get ready and then you can show out and perform and then more opportunities will come your way as well. Exactly. And this, that's what it is. And then once you get an opportunity and you stick around, then you can't take it for granted. Like there's a reason why guys like T.Y. Hilton have played for nine or 10 years because they had one good year of success. Then they saw and they didn't get complacent. T.Y. goes home and works hard every year, comes back even better. And that's how you just keep building and moving the ball like we're talking about. Absolutely. So last time you were on the show, we didn't talk too much about you at NC State. We did a little bit, but I didn't ask you, why did you choose 
NC State. And I know you had offers from Duke, North Carolina, East Carolina, Wake Forest. The list goes on and on. And I know you have a twin sister. We talked about Naya as well on the show before, and she played a part in your decision. But talk to us about what was your process and your decision to, to actually go into NC State? My dad. Okay. <laughs> well, one thing is my dad, I, didn't, I don't even think I actually, I said I was coming there. My dad said it first, which is even funny. We were all sitting there. We, it was like December. I actually signed a month later. So like it was December 2014 and we were all sitting there. My dad was like, yeah, come in here. So jokingly speaking, I said he made a decision for us. But uh, really, I think what led me to NC State is my sister. I told all the schools if they wanted me, my sister had to come with me. And then after that, it was, I had about 40 offers, about 15 schools, you know, said yes to that. And then after that, I felt like NC State was just the place. Uh, my goal was to go to the NFL in three years. So I wanted to play early. I thought I had an opportunity to play early at NC State. Uh, I ended up starting as a freshman. I think that's what it really was, is the fact that I knew I had an opportunity to play as a freshman. And, and then also I had an opportunity to go to college and run track for my sister. Because not every school offers track. Some schools don't have track, which is funny. But uh, I think that's really what it was. I wanted to run track, and not every school even let me run track. And then I wanted to get my sister, and, those are, and then I wanted to play early. So uh, NC State checked every single one of those boxes, and uh, it was the best decision and uh, you're, you're running back in the league. When you look at playing at the running back position, what do you think are the skills necessary to excel and be elite at that position? And how did running track help you with that as well? I'm not going to say running back is not a strenuous position, but running back is a position based on instinct. Like with running back, you get a handoff a lot of times. And then after that, they tell you where to run. Then after that, your instinct takes over. That's why Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor. Like he gets the ball. And after that, you just take over and you, you create. And I think, with me and running track, that helped me because obviously a pretty good story and quickness. If I can make somebody miss and I can get one over the safety and make a miss and get down the field running, I mean, I don't think anybody's catching me. And uh, also, too, just running track can help me with endurance. The football field always just felt short because I ran track. And I think, honestly, in the fourth quarter, I feel like I can just have that extra gear that people don't because I train for it. And uh, the only way you have that extra gear is you have to train for it constantly. You know? The only train for it is run track. Sure. And you ran track in high school as well. You, you were at Garner High School. We'll talk about that in a little bit at the school and what you're doing there uh, this summer. But uh, you ended up rushing for 6,844 yards during your high school career, set many, many school records, uh, did a lot of running for sure. When you look back at your time in, in high school, I mean, what do you think, what was your biggest takeaway from your experience as a competitive athlete playing in high school? My take was I was very, very blessed. The Lord gave me an opportunity to go D1. I mean, like, that's the goal. That's what you talk about until you get to college, going D1, and uh, that's 2% of people. So uh, there's a lot of records and a lot of things that I did, but truthfully, I don't think I really ever appreciated or stayed in the moment because the goal was to go D1. So while all those things are going great for me, I, I never really got complacent. I was worried about what school I wanted to go to or making it to the NFL because that was the real goal. So uh, I enjoyed my time at Garner. Garner was really, really good to me. I wish I had appreciated it and lived in the present a little bit more. But uh, it was a great time there for me. I uh, had a lot of great help, a lot of great friends. And uh, behind every great man is a great woman and a great city. And uh, Garner was a great city. And they still have my back to the day. And my mom's great, too. Yes. A great woman. <laughs> yes, your mom is, is awesome. We'll talk about your mom as well in a second. But, you know, I will mention, since we're talking about Garner High School, you're actually going to do a football camp. I was going to talk about it later in the show, but we'll bring it up now. June 4th, you've got a football camp. It's your second football camp that you've been doing as an NFL player, your first at the high school. Tell us about what that means for you to get back to your high school and do a camp there. Oh, I'm super, super excited. Uh, the first year was actually in Southern Durham. Kendall Hinton, the emergency quarterback at Denver, he actually played there. He was a state champion there too, which is crazy and good. A lot of questions about why it wasn't at Garner. And obviously the people who helped me, I guess they didn't ask for Garner. That's the connection they had. But uh, 
obviously I'm here to help kids, but uh, it means a little bit more to have it at Garner, you know, be at the same place where the blue and gold again. And honestly, truthfully, the whole planning of it has been great anyways, because the first date was June 11th and <laughs> Garner had a high school graduation then. So uh, June 4th is a great date. I'm excited for the guys. I'm excited to get back to the community. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing all the highlights and, uh, and stuff that you post from the camp, because I know you're going to do a fantastic job. And make a huge impact. And I know the kids will love it. So I think that's great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it'll be great. And uh, even throughout the camp, we'll have some fun time. I'm pretty sure we have dodgeball, touchdown celebrations. It's, it's going to be a pretty fun camp. Maybe you'll get a couple flips out of me. I don't know. Maybe I'll race somebody. I, we're going to have a good time down there. And uh, my number one goal with everything is if I talk to 100 kids, if I can change one person's life, it's a good day. So hopefully I can change more than one that day. I'll be around hopefully three or 400 kids. That'll be awesome. And you're still doing flips, huh? Uh, <laughs> as I get older, I'll slow down. But I'm still 25. I have a little bit. I got a little bit left in the tank. There you go. There you go. And I did, I remember we talked about a video that was posted. I don't remember if it was in high school or college, but you had done a flip catching a touchdown or no, no, touch, catching a ball and doing a flip in the air. When oh, was yeah. that? Oh, the twist. Yeah. And so I, I was did, a senior of high school. Okay. Yeah. So I did Google and found that after we recorded last time. So I checked that out. It was a pretty cool. cool oh yeah. That, it was on sports and it was pretty cool. It was my senior high school. That's awesome. So as you know, Naeem, even the NFL is a business. We recently had the NFL draft. And uh, you've got a great group of young men that are coming to join the team. Uh, some of those that you know, you know that uh, we've talked about before: Nick Cross, uh, Alec Pierce. Uh, Nick is a safety. Alec is a wide receiver. So, look, I'm personally looking forward to having those guys suit up and play with the organization. But when you look at the transition that you made, so you, I mentioned when I read your bio, you were drafted in the fourth round, uh, 104th overall pick. You shared last time we did our episode that you were in your pajamas when you got the call, which I thought was was awesome. But tell us, what was that transition like for you going into rookie minicamp and then training camp in summer and then tying it back to these guys? What advice would you give them as they're preparing for minicamp, for you know, just all the off-season activities to get ready for the season? Uh, I think my situation was a little bit different than most people was just because I went to school like where I was, where home was. So I think I had my home, like homesick experience when I was 21 as opposed to being 18 in college. So uh, that was one thing. I think I was just just being away from my sister for the first time, being away from mom and dad. So I was a little bit hard just learning that. But on the field, what I would tell guys, is one thing is even if you make a mistake, flush it. Even if you have a bad day, flush it because you can't compile bad days on bad days in the NFL. That's, that's the quickest way to leave. You can mess up. And uh, obviously you're a rookie, so I mean, we're not expecting you to be perfect, but you can't continuously do it. And when you have a bad day, don't make it worse. Like go home, look at the film. And once you look at the film and your coach says whatever, he says whatever, put it behind you. Next play, because there's times you're going to drop the ball. Like Alec, there might be time where he might have a bad route or something. I'm not going to say he dropped the ball. He might have a bad route. He might slip and fall. And then guess what? If he's our third down guy, we got to come right back to him. You can't still be worried about having that bad play. That's something I did when I was younger. Like I was like, oh man, here we go. And just talk to yourself good, even when you mess up. Just say, okay, I got this. Because there were times where, like, I dropped the punt. I was like, oh, you can't do that. Naheem. Come on, you're better than that. And then you start talking to yourself, and then another bad thing happens, and that's how you leave. So just make sure they stay the course and talk, just positive self-talk. And something that we talked about on the last show was confidence. And you shared how you had increased your confidence level from your rookie season going uh, into the next year and the following year. How has your confidence changed since then? Or is it the same? Has it grown? And I mean, you're obviously having a great performance in the league. You just signed a new 
contract as well here. So you know, looking forward to seeing you uh, continue to show out and do some great things. I think my confidence is the same. Uh, I've learned, I'm, I'm not going to lie, ever since that rookie year where I struggled with my confidence, I've learned that life is all about confidence with anything. And even if you don't have the confidence, well, you have to lie to yourself because, well, at least in football, you got to lie to yourself because you got to go out there anyway. It's not like you can't play, but you don't want to make no money. So that's what I kind of just, I think that's where I kind of just go with it. I just tell myself, hey, you're going to do this. Every time I go out to a route, I think I'm going to win. If I get covered, he got lucky because he's not going to do it again. That's really how, like, that's life in football. And that's kind of how I just have grown to accept that. And when I do mess up, I take the coaching and I know what I have to do. But that's your mindset. You have to go out there thinking you're going to win. And if you lose, you got to keep fighting until you win. For sure. And I, I think, I mean, you talk about how no matter what you do, the confidence is an important part of being successful in life. I mean, I work with a lot of uh, corporate professionals as well as some pro athletes. And it's all about like how you present yourself is going to determine, you know, whether you're going to you know get the opportunities that you want and, uh, and, and, and just succeed in life. And so having that confidence, it doesn't mean that you're always going to kill it. doesn't mean you're always going to win, but you always believe in your ability that, yes, I've got this. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to execute. If something doesn't go right, that's okay. I'm going to shake that off, focus on the next play, and I'm going to keep moving. Exactly. Yep. And shoot, I mean, if you don't believe in yourself, who else will? Other right. than your mom. My, my mom always believed in me, but my mom's not going to save me on that field. So <laughs> right. it's, it's just you out there. <laughs> yes. So when we did our last chat, it was at the very beginning of COVID and people were still kind of figuring out what does this all mean? Obviously, it, it took us in many different directions over the last couple of years and lots of changing and adapting and adjusting. Walk us through what the COVID season was like for you and the Colts going into, you know, no fans in the stands and just that environment. Wow. It's not even the game. It was every day at like in the building, like having to wear the mask every day. So we had connect signs where if you stand beside somebody, they start blinking. So uh, that was tough. Um, so obviously with JT, we have scatter breaks like because we have to meet and talk, but then you can't be within six feet all the time. Or you have to have your mask on and all that. So that was really hard. Then the connect sign was tough because then if you leave them a couple of times, the NFL was finding you like $15,000, something crazy. So I think it was just all of that stuff that made it hard. And then we got to the game. The game was kind of the easy part because it was just normal for a little bit. And it, that wasn't even normal because there were some games you played without fans and it was low capacity. But truly speaking, for me in 2020, it was an advantage for us. We had Philip Rivers and, uh, you know, Phillips likes to talk. Philip has a million cadences and a million checks. So, like, those games with no fans, even playing in Buffalo in the playoffs with the limited capacity, which is very, very great because it's loud there, it was really an advantage. And, uh, I mean, I'm not appreciative for COVID, but I am appreciative for the competitive advantage we got from being an away team and having to play no crowd, sometimes low capacity. That I'm pretty sure that hurt a lot of defenses too because offenses mess up more when it's louder and then it's full capacity. So I think that was pretty cool. But the whole COVID thing was, I think it was just working every day. That was really hard. And having the NFL watch the film, like literally we, if you walk about a mask, they could literally see it. So we were literally being monitored and it was like, we were, it was like school. <laughs> it was like, you didn't have your mask. It was like having a hall pass and uh, they were finding us. So I think that was the hardest part about it. The games weren't that bad. And then transitioning back in, in 2021, it was a little bit different. Uh, fans were back. Operationally, it was a little different as well. What was it like going into the 2021 season? I'm not going to lie. It was not much different than the 2020 season. I think 2022 will be the first year everything will be right. Uh, even last year was kind of similar to 2020. We, all the fans were there, but we still had to do the same precautions. Uh, last year was even tougher because we were about the vaccination thing. So even vaccinating was uh, a little bit different. If you were unvaccinated, you had to wake up at like five or six on game day and test. If you were vaccinated, you had to test once a week. That was even crazier. Honestly, 2021 was crazier at work every day than 2020. Just all the precautions and, you know, the vaccinations and 
us being safe. And uh, I think the NFL and we did a great job of taking care of the players and doing that. But uh, I'm happy that it's over and hopefully it's over and we can go back to how things were. Yeah, for sure. So HBO decided they announced that they were going to do a hard knocks uh, segment uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. And you were a part of that, obviously. What was it like filming the show? It was cool. I mean, it was like being, I felt like I was on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I was like on a little reality <laughs> TV stuff. It was a very, very cool experience. They actually had a lot of people mic'd up more, but it was like every room you walked into, it was mic'd up. So you kind of had to watch what you said, but uh, it was a really great experience. You know, I'm probably going to look back on it one day. I haven't even watched it yet, but I'm going to look back on it one day and show my kids and things. It's probably going to be something I really, really uh, am excited and happy to show, but uh, I actually haven't really looked at it yet. <laughs> I really don't know exactly what to say. Was there some behind the scenes, like, was there some piece of, of uh, like, aha, like, this is how they do this kind of a thing with filming that, that you noticed? Uh, no, I mean, honestly, we just had more stuff, like, that, you know, they would ask, like, they came over to my house, filmed. Um, and then, honestly, truthfully, it was us adjusting to them. I mean, we're there all the time. They're not. So we had adjusted them. Like, we had to adjust people being, like, seeing a camera flying around. Like, there's literally, like, when we're talking, you can see the camera moving. There's people at practice every day recording us, like, on the field. We had people, we had five people mic'd up for practice. We didn't have anybody mic'd up for practice. For games, it was 10 plus people. We normally have two. So I think it was us adjusting more than them. Because they, they, you know, you know what camera people say, hey, I like we're a fly on the wall. But they're not. They're standing right there with those big cameras and stuff. So it was really an adjustment for us. I gotcha. I gotcha. And you mentioned uh, that they had filmed at your house. So I just got to share that uh, Gunnar Twiner, who you and I both know, he's a fantastic artist. And uh, he did a painting of you, which was featured in the show as well in one of the scenes. So um, for those that uh, do watch the Hard Knock special, if you check out Naheem's episode and you see this painting, just know Gunnar is an awesome artist in addition to his football knowledge and expertise. So shout out to Gunnar and all the incredible work that he does with his artwork. So Naheem, on the show, we talk about business and branding. When I had you on the show last time, your social accounts were the 997. You have changed this since then. Uh, so your IG, for example, is Nightmare. What made you change that title? It was time. New point, of, new point of my life. This is a new life, I guess. And truthfully, honestly, I've been called Nightmare for since high school. And I don't think I really bought into it. I don't know why I just never did. Uh, Joe Gigolo, actually, Joe Gigolo has actually been calling me Nightmare since I was at Garner. And uh, there's even some stuff where NC State called me Nightmare. It was like Nightmare in Hillsborough Street. So uh, I think, honestly, looking back on it, I wish I would just adapted the name in high school. But uh, I guess everything just kind of comes out it's supposed to. And then my name is Naheem, so, and I get called Nye, so you can replace the I with the Y. So I'm like perfect marketing for me. And I do truly, like I said, confidence, I truly, truly do believe I am a nightmare. So I'm a mismatch for a lot of people. So I've adapted that and I embraced it. I remember when you changed it and I was like, oh, he changed his account. I thought it was, was pretty cool. I, I, I hope you like it. I do. I do. For sure. I think it's great. So one of the things that I mentioned when I read your bio is you're the MDA national spokesperson. I know that's a cause that's very important to you because of your family that, that is dealing with muscular dystrophies. For those that aren't familiar with what it is, tell us a little bit, what is muscular dystrophy and share with us some of the work that you've been doing there. Okay. So, I mean, I guess firstly, I mean, is this really a degenerative muscle disease? So, I mean, so your body slowly breaks down from the muscles. So even uh, you'll have a hard time chewing and swallowing as you as you progress. But uh, I mean, that's really the easiest way. There's 40 different types. And I mean, if people don't really know what ALS is, I'm sure a lot of people know what ALS is. That is a form of muscular dystrophy. My mom has limb girdle and two shins. There's a lot of kinds. But I think the best thing I can describe to people is ALS. And there's different types within that type, different types of your body, different organs, different muscles. And you've been doing a lot of work and videos and promotional stuff to help mm -hmm. bring awareness to uh, to the organization, which I think is great. We'll also have the MDA website 
in our show notes so people can check them out. Hopefully donate as well, you know, just support the organization too. Something that you have is Heinz Heroes, where families get to come to the games and you get to talk to them. Tell us about how did Heinz Heroes come to be and what do you get to do with that? Heinz Heroes is actually great. Um, Honestly, it's through muscular dystrophy and I just started doing it before I was a national spokesperson. So uh, just shout out to MDA again for that. But uh, Heinz Heroes is a ticket block community for uh, the Colts. Uh, I have a Heinz Heroes. And really what I do is muscular dystrophy, they pick a family. It's normally two families. Uh, I take care of all the food, everything, like food, seats, everything. And uh, I normally get to meet the people, obviously, for COVID. I haven't been able to. So this year, I'm super excited because uh, every week we have a home game. I go out there at 1030 or 10 o'clock and I meet people and talk to them for 30 minutes and meet the families. It was really cool for me because that honestly was the first time I didn't feel like I was identified as an athlete. And then uh, I've even since Heinz Heroes, thanks to that, I've been, been able to step into the role as being the spokesperson to even, you know, further not just identify myself and not that I'm not an athlete, but that's all. I don't want to just be an athlete. I want to be, a, first of all, there's a lot of things you could be, but you know, as athletes, they see us as athletes. Like when you see Kobe Bryant, you think of Hall of Famer. You don't think of father, son, brother. And I kind of want to, you know, be identified on that role too. And that's what I've been so excited to do all the work I've done with MDA. For sure. Well, I think you're doing a fantastic job so far. And I know you're going to do great things and, and certainly making an impact with Heinz Heroes and getting to bring families to games and meet them. I know is super cool too. Yeah, it's super, super, it's super, super great. Uh, some of my best, honestly, the McGlynn's and uh, Jordan McGlynn. I met him three years ago through the ticket block. Just the relationships I've met through that have been great. And even for my mom on that side of the family, like my mom has muscle dystrophy. Her grandmother had it. Her brother has it. We don't really know anybody who has it. So it's kind of cool, like seeing my mom get to talk to Amy, who has muscular dystrophy. Even my uncle, she he follows Amy on Instagram and Amy... uh She's trying clinical trials out and doing things and she's still walking, getting better. And he even texts me some days, like, sends me a bill, like, dang, the treatments are working, the cures are working. Uh, it's giving me hope. And uh, that's one thing I can do. I can't sit here and say I can fight a cure, but the Bible even says hope is an anchor. If you have hope and confidence, like we talk about confidence is hope, is hope and faith within yourself. And uh, hope is so strong. And if you have hope, you can do anything. So that's one thing I've been trying to do is just give people hope and even give myself hope that my mom and maybe uncle or future generations of my family will be okay because of the work I do today. For sure. I love it. And I, I see your mom on the videos too. So it's neat to see her out there as well. She's, oh, awesome. she's a celebrity. Yes. She, oh, she's such a diva. Oh, she's such a diva. She's eating. She's loving, she's loving the cameras in her face, man. She's, it's been great, but it's even for a better cause. So it's been great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, shout out to your mama. Gave her your shout out last time on the show. We'll give her another shout out today. Keep doing great things, Mama Hines. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, got to shout her. I didn't. I didn't get to see her for Mother's Day, so I definitely got to make it up. Yes, you do. Absolutely, you do. So, yeah, at some point, you know, football is going to come to an end, right? And uh, hopefully, not for quite some time. You know, have you been thinking about what you want to do beyond football? Are you doing any business ventures today? Uh, no business ventures. Still learning. Uh, still really just trying to figure out exactly where I want to do. I think the whole entrepreneurship and franchisee thing will be probably after my career, but. Right now, I'm focused on uh, really brushing up and learning what I need to learn, uh, talking to people I need to talk, building my network. And then uh, outside of that, I really want to be an analyst. I would like to do Monday Night Football, do play-by-play. And uh, I don't want to coach. So I like to be in the game and talk about the game. I don't want to do any of the coaching stuff. Just be like, hey, this is why the play worked. This is why the play didn't work. And talk about what my opinions on the game. And really, other than that, that's what I really want to do. And then just be a scratch golfer, hopefully, before I die. Those are probably about the three things I want to do. Nice. <laughs> Nice. So I know we're still a few months away from the 2022 season, but what excites you the most about going into next season? Matt Ryan. <laughs> nice. Our quarterback. I'm super excited about that. Uh, it's not even about anything to do with me. I'm excited most about that because I think he's going to take our teams to levels we haven't been yet. 
And uh, I also think that he's going to be a really, really good fit for us. Uh, it's going to be a great marriage between him and the Colts. And then I guess for myself, I'm just, I don't know what I'm excited for. For me, I'm excited for a new opportunity. Uh, nothing special. Just I'm excited to have another year to be in the NFL. I'm thankful for it. It's my fifth year. Probably the second oldest skill guy on the offense other than Mo Ali Cott. I've been there for a while. So uh, I'm just thankful, I guess, now to step into the role as, as an OG and just be a leader. There's a lot of younger guys. So, uh, and I've played a lot of games. So hopefully I get to, I'm obviously, a, I think I'm a pretty good player, but hopefully. I'll have some experience. I'll make guys like Michael Pittman, JT, Alec, those guys better. And that's what I'll do because we got a lot of great guys. And I think it'll be on some of the older guys like myself to make help them younger guys too. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to the upcoming season for sure. And you mentioned being a leader. Recently had Zayir Franklin, your teammate, on the show. And we talked about on that show about qualities needed to be a leader in the NFL. He was a three-time uh, team captain back in college at Syracuse, which was like the first time that someone's ever done that since 1896 or something. So a long time. And then, you know, him being a captain in in the league. Now, I asked him, you know, what are the things that you think are necessary to really lead in professional football? So I'm going to ask you that same question. What do you think are those characteristics of a good teammate that's leading versus a coach that's being a leader? Well, first off, let's just back to Zaire. Zaire's one of the youngest captains in the NFL. I didn't even notice that. And that Zaire's are great. Like, honestly, if I could just say what to be a leader, just be Zaire Franklin, I could literally just say that. And it'd be great. I think truly the first thing of a leader is obviously just being humble. Uh, every great leader knows when he doesn't need to lead and to take a step back and let somebody else. That's number one. You can't always be right as a leader because we all have those leaders who think they know everything and that's not being a great leader because all you're doing is unmotivating everybody around. So I think the first thing is just being humble and not always knowing you're right. After that, it's just there's different ways to be a leader. But I truly believe to be a great leader, you have to have conviction, know the plan and stick to it and work towards it and motivate the guys and bring along the guys with you. Because people look to you as a leader, so you have to make sure you're doing everything right. Because a lot of times as a leader, your play or whatever you're doing in your respective business sets the example. So after you set the tone and do what you're supposed to and show how it's supposed to be done, your words can obviously say a lot. But if you do your actions, you're, you don't really have to say much. And then after that, you speak to the team or speak to your respective bosses. And you just have conviction. You motivate them. You care for them. Show them you care. Ask them about their families. And after that, if you do that, you'll be a great leader. But I think really as a leader, you talk about it, but really you just have to be about it. Whatever you're supposed to do, do it the right way. Show people how it's done. Advise them along the way. And that's a great leader. Great answer. So what I want to do now, Naeem, is I want to take you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? NFL football player. Okay. Well, you are doing that today. <laughs> what three words would you use to describe yourself? Three words. Adventurous. Funny. And ooh, the last word. What's the, oh, I, need, I need a good word right here. Motivational. I like to motivate. I don't know how the word. Maybe it's inspiring. I like to inspire. Okay, great three words. What is one thing most people don't know about you? Mm, I used to be very, very good in the band. I made all county and as a baritone saxophone player in seventh grade. I actually made the jazz band as a freshman. I had to stop playing because football took over. But uh, I can play uh, four different instruments. Oh, very cool. Now the next question is: If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Mm. I don't know. Uh, entrance song. Let's see. Entrance song. How do I feel? I don't know. It just depends on the day. Uh, I'd probably say some A Boogie. So uh, let's see. A Boogie. What, what song would I say by A Boogie? Man in the Mirror. Okay. Or, oh, not a regular person. Not a regular person. All there, right. One of those two. Now, the next question is, uh, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Um, actually, uh, I'm not much of a reader. Actually, my agent gave me a book probably two years ago and I just started reading it and it's called uh, The Greatest Riches in Babylon and it's like a hundred pages and basically it's like a journey of like it's a leadership book so basically it's like a journey of like some of the richest men in Babylon 
how they've failed, and also just things that you can do and learn from those things. Leaders, how they've gotten rich and also lost it. Hmm, interesting. Okay. My last question is, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Mm, who would I choose? I would choose, let's see, let's go athlete. Athlete-wise, I would choose probably... I don't know who I do. Oh, I would choose. I would choose Michael Jordan. Inspiring. He's from North Carolina. Love him. Uh, billionaire. I would learn a lot from him. Probably Elon Musk. I mean, I feel like he's just cracked the code on life. And then the last person, Grant Cardone, wrote, wrote a story. I read. I've read a lot of story of him and the, the stuff he did with real estate and things like that were remarkable. I think if I had those three guys, I think I'd be a better athlete, a better businessman. And probably have a bunch of real estate, so or own Tesla or a couple or Bojangles. So there you go, there you go. Nice, oh, three great choices for sure. I got one more question for you. Do you sing in the shower every day? Literally ten minutes. Slowly have a speaker in my shower. My phone goes in the shower with me, and if I don't like the song, I change it. Are you good? Or are you just rocking out? Oh, I mean, it, no, I'm not. I, I can't sing. <laughs> I was gonna try, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean. All any, any woman that honestly, let me just be real. Any person who's ever told me I could sing was my girlfriend. So, gotcha. first off, I'm single right now. I'm single right now, and uh, she had to be lying because she loved me or liked me at the time. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So as we look to close the show, let people know where you at on social media. Where can they follow you? Uh, on Instagram, you can follow me at Nightmare with the Y instead of an I. And on Twitter, it's still the 997. Oh, it is still the 997 on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, tw- yeah no, tw- Twitter won't let me change it. I have to lose all my followers and all that stuff. So oh, stuck with yeah, it. That's not good. That's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, well, we'll have your social links in the show notes so people can continue to follow you on your journey. And definitely looking forward to seeing uh, y'all play this upcoming season. Thanks so much for being on the show, Naeem. It's been a great, uh, it's been great chatting with you. Thank you. I, I hope to be back on again soon for a third time. Maybe we'll be on episode four or 500 by then. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ooh, maybe, maybe 500, maybe the 500 episode. Maybe I'll be on for that one. Oh, that, that'll be a while, but okay. <laughs> and thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you like the show, please share it with a friend or two or three. That's one way you can help me to move the ball and also hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already done so, Leave us a review and don't forget to check out the Move the Ball merchandise store. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate listening. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.